this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you have a crazy and wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want more shows on a weekly basis, we offer a bonus show on Thursdays for members to the website. So if that interests you, go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today. You'll get access to all the membership content that we've ever come out with. And it's all available on an app now as well. So you'll get an email once you register for a membership on how to get registered on the app. So if that interests you, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become that member. Now, friends, we also offer preparedness food at preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. There you can get yourself emergency supply food that will last up to 25 years on the shelf, plus survival gear. If you want it, we got it at preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Go ahead and check that out if you want to get prepared for those emergencies that pop up, but you never know when they're coming. Now, this week, we have my dad in the studio right now for the intro and the outro. If you want to stick around for that, dad, how you doing? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing fine. I'm glad you're here. Listen, we just got done recording for Hammer Lane Legends, which is a podcast that me and my dad have. Now, uh, I'm the son of a trucker. Dad's trucker. I spent many years in driving truck and CDL living. And uh, we have this podcast called the Hammer Lane Legends. And what do we talk about on that show, Dad, if it's not apparent already? We talk about trucks and truck driving and the experiences truck drivers have. Yeah, I mean, we have people come on the show just like this show, and they share their experiences, their wild, crazy experiences, and we just got done doing two interviews today. We're recording this at 11.30. I, I just looked at the clock now. I thought it was 10.30. 
11.30 at night on Sunday. We're recording this for you guys. And I thought it'd be cool since he's in the studio to have him on to uh, just hang out a little bit because I want to tell you guys about uh, what I just did this past weekend with Jack. And uh, that's my dad's son. Yeah. And you guys are very familiar with Jack. If you listen to the show for a long time, he's my younger brother. And uh, we're doing Legion of Legends on YouTube. I've been talking about it for several weeks, maybe a couple months now. So if you want, go ahead to the YouTube channel for The Confessionals. Just look it up, The Confessionals on YouTube. Hit subscribe because we're putting Legion of Legends on The Confessionals YouTube channel because it is sponsored and brought to you by The Confessionals. And me and Jack went to an old World War II prisoner of war camp this past weekend and things got weird. How crazy is that? <laughs> things huh? got weird, yeah. man. I, I'm not going to go into great details right now. All I can say is uh, the video that I'm going to come out with, I think, could have come out a lot better. Mm-hmm. But things that we hear about on this show happened to us that night that prevented certain things that I wanted to happen happening. Does that confuse anybody? Yes. Well, it's going <laughs> to I'm telling you, like it, it, it just it was a wild night. We had K2 meter hits on my for the EMFs. Uh, It's a haunted forest. Lots of Bigfoot activity. Lots of dogman sightings. I mean, this place was rich with activity and it did not disappoint. And I talked to people after that night. I got home. We were there all night long. We left in the morning. And when I got home, I did some calls to people that I know to talk about this area. And uh, they told me about things that kind of confirmed my suspicions about why I even went there. And uh, it was just a wild night. We're going back. Me and Jack decided we're going to go back. And other people that are very familiar with that area said they'll show us some areas to check out and stuff. Cool. Yeah. I mean, this area is just like I I had these suspicions. We went to the old World War II camp because not many people know this, but in this country during World War II, every state had prisoner of war camps. And so many people just don't know that. I mean, I saw some people commenting when I was talking about going on this, mm-hmm. that uh, they're like, oh, yeah, there was one on the West Coast. I'm like, no, it's not just one on the West Coast. There was every state had these prisoner of war wow. camps, but not every state had prisoner of war camps that were interrogation camps. That means you capture Nazis and Japanese soldiers. When they come off the boat, the first stop they go to is an interrogation camp where they're interrogated before they get shipped out to these other camps. The camp we went to was an interrogation camp. And now everything that I've tried reading about this stuff online, and granted, I have access to the American side of the history, right? Uh, but we know that the Nazis and especially Japanese were terrible to their POWs. Yes. They tortured them, killed them. We from what I've read, weren't exactly like that. I mean, I'm sure you probably smacked the guy around a little bit or something like that. But I mean, they they had shelter, they had food, they weren't tortured. And at these interrogation camps, Nazis were being interrogated. And if other Nazi soldiers thought that this person who just got interrogated was too friendly, too kind, gave too much information to the Americans, Mm -hmm. the Nazis killed them. Wow. So it was like Nazis killing Nazis in these interrogation camps if things got a little too friendly between yeah. their, you know, the Nazis and the Americans. And so there's a very high likelihood that the camp that we went to had death in that situation, not to mention that it was 45 minutes away from Gettysburg, which is the deadliest battle of the Civil War. So it, it was a very um, tense environment. And then we had all the Bigfoot activity in that area that we've we've heard about for years, dogman sightings all throughout 
Pennsylvania. I mean, Pennsylvania is really becoming well known for these dogman sightings. Wow, but that's th- crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was talking to a guy when I came home and I was talking about this area. I was telling him where I live and he's like, actually, there's... <laughs> you don't need to go that far. Yeah, he's like, I've gotten several <laughs> reports from your area that there's been dogman sightings. I'm like... Wow. Well, that doesn't make me feel good. So. Yeah, about it. Huh? <laughs> hey, Dad, why don't you take a walk in the backyard yeah. tonight? <laughs> nah, I think not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, I was really excited about going to this area. And then when we were walking around doing our thing, I mean, it, it just didn't disappoint. And I just want to let people know that I'm working on producing that video and it should be available hopefully within the next week or so. Cool. But uh, I'm telling you, like, if you want a little taste of what it is, Go to the Instagram account for the Confessionals podcast and check out, just look for the post where it's me with night vision on me. Uh, Jack was filming me and uh, just watch my reaction. Now, listen, there's no audio on that video. Okay. I overlaid a soundtrack, just like a creepy soundtrack. So I'm just saying that up front because some people were commenting saying, I've never heard that sound in the woods before or anything. It's like, well, it's because it's a soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you haven't. It's like a cinematic soundtrack, you know, but uh, it's like a 15 second video, but just, just watch it, watch my body language. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was yeah. real interesting. But uh, I, you and I and Jack are going to be uh, maybe going out in the woods together here in a few yep. weeks. We'll, uh, we've been talking about it, and I'm not going to disclose where we're going and what we're going to be doing and stuff, but if we if we do do it, it's going to be pretty interesting. I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, real interesting. But, uh, Dad, thanks for hanging out with me on the intro here. This week we have Cora and Chris coming on the show. This is a two-interview show, and it's it's a good one. So let's get to it. All right, today we got Chris on the show. Chris, how you doing, man? Uh, excellent, Tony. Yourself? Doing good, man. So, uh, Chris, you sent us this email. The title of it was "The Haunted Hallway." I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds juicy." So, uh, it's a very interesting story you have here. Stuff I wanted to make sure we brought you on to talk about it. You're up there in Canada, and uh, you grew up in a house that was haunted. And I'll let you kind of give the details as to what happened, man. All right. Um, I'll start off a little bit, kind of talk about myself as a kid, and then I'll describe the house a little bit to you. But um, yeah, as a as a kid, I used to have a lot of issues with sleep paralysis. I didn't know at the time what it was. I mean, that was like pre-internet, um, pre-Dr. Phil kind of thing. Um, but I used to wake up a lot. And it, it, like I felt like I was being pulled from my bed. I used to have a lot of, uh, I guess, like hallucinations. Because I know like there's a medical description for sleep paralysis. but I'd often see a lot of strange things in my room. So there was a lot of times I spent a lot of nights sharing a room with my brother because I was just terrified to go to sleep at night. Um, I don't think that had really anything to do with what was going on in the house, but it kind of made me, I don't know, maybe open to uh, just being scared and looking for those kinds of things that uh, would terrify a child. Cause I couldn't understand what was happening to me at night. And, uh, and I had never really talked to my parents about it until I was an adult. So they, uh, they never really knew how, how much I struggled, but, um, yeah, basically the house was a, a 1950s rancher. My dad always told me it was like a post second world war house. He bought it off a gentleman who was actually terminally ill with cancer. And, um, 
basically the previous owner, as far as I know, passed away, but part of the house was left unfinished. An area of the house that we called the back room, it was kind of a, a no-go zone, especially when we were kids. It later did become my bedroom, but um, the house was uh, this basic rancher. On one side, it had a garage. On the opposite side of the house, it had a living room and a, and a kitchen. And it was just connected. The, you know, the two sides were connected with a long hallway. It had three bedrooms and a bathroom. Um, the two bedrooms that me and my brother had were across from each other, closest to the garage. And then the bathroom was across from my parents, closer to the uh, uh, living room and the kitchen. <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm a little nervous. It's hard for me to kind of figure all this stuff out. But um, yeah, it's all good, man. Yeah, my uh, basically the hallway was just this kind of unspoken no go zone for me and my brother. And I actually spoke to him yesterday. He's not as open to the subject as I am, but um, there was just an area of the house you didn't go, especially as a kid. We never walked in the hallway. So if you had to leave your bedroom and go to the kitchen, I mean, it was leave your bedroom, go and run in a full sprint. It was never just nonchalantly walking, minding your business. We didn't play in the hallway as kids until we got older. Um, we it would just be a full sprint from the living room to the bathroom, from the bathroom to the garage. It didn't matter where you were going. You never walked in the hallway and you definitely never stopped in the hallway. It was, I, I know I explained it in my email. The only way that I can describe the feeling and, and I, I figured it out as an adult was that, have you ever watched the original uh, movie? I'm trying to, it's with Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead. I haven't. No. In the movie itself, it's um, it, there's a lot of scenes where basically these people are in a cabin and they're being chased by this unseen entity. And it, as it, they're running away and they keep looking back, like a typical horror movie thing. But as it gets closer to them, the music gets louder and it's like this big buildup, right? If, if you walked in the hallway, you felt like something was coming for you. It didn't, it's not like it was in the house, but it was coming. Like it was activated somehow. This is, this is my take on it anyways. You just, if you stood or you walked slow, it just continued to get worse. And with like, like the anxiety started to build up and build up and build up. Um, and so you just basically took off in a full sprint. You never waited or walked. We only had one bathroom. You stand in the door of your bedroom and wait for the door to open. Cause at one time there was four kids and two adults living in the house. That, so, uh, that gets busy. Yeah. My dad later built another bathroom, but you know, that was still, it was something that kind of, um, I don't want to use harsh words like scarred or traumatic, but it was something that stuck with me my whole life. Like it was never a comfortable place to be the hallway or the house that nobody was ever hurt or anything like that. There was, but it was never a good place. Like it, you always felt on edge, never felt good when you were in the bathroom, taking a shower, like, like I said, trying to go to bed at night. It was terrifying. I'd mentioned earlier that I would, that I had so many issues with sleep paralysis. I had a lot of sleep issues. I still do to this day, but I used to play this game as a kid where I would go to bed early because I didn't want to be the last person awake. Like my mom worked really early in the morning. So by eight o'clock, she's in bed, seven 30. Sometimes my brother passes out just standing up. Like he just, there was no issues with him. My dad, you could set a timer to him. It was like nine 30. As soon as the TV shut off, he was in bed and he's snoring within five minutes. If you're not asleep, you're all alone. And then, you know, that's when the house kind of came alive. And, what, and it could have been hypersensitivity as a child, but 
it was terrifying. When, when you're a kid and stuff, I mean, I, I imagine a lot of kids get like that when it comes to like being at the house in the house at night by yourself. Nobody else is awake. You can kind of get scared and stuff. But um, then and when you add the uh, added factor of a reason to be scared, it <laughs> kind of elevates everything. We didn't know as kids, there's certain topics that were never discussed. You know, um, I didn't know as a kid that um, my dad was previously married. Uh, those things, I mean, I would have never thought different of them, but it was just something that was never discussed. Um, so it was like we had, the, I had this issue with the hallway. I know my brother did, and I've since spoken to my sister, and like they've all had issues in the house. My, but the one person that really comes to mind is my mom. So, so many years later, I mean, fast forward years later, we grew up and you just kind of, I don't want to like say grow out, but you know, things just kind of calm down. My sister still won't go into the house alone and she's 40, but, um, we would always get together for family dinners and like Christmas Easter kind of thing. And it just got brought up somehow that the, the, the subject of the house got brought up. My dad always kind of played. He just wasn't open to the subject. I mean, this man religiously watched the X-Files every Friday night. You know, like it, it, that, that's probably where I'll, maybe some of my sleep troubles came from because it was always exciting to me to be able to watch the X-Files. I mean, he had a big library in, in a room of the house, not a gigantic library, but he always had a lot of books on the paranormal, on Sasquatch, on alien abduction. Yes, I can see maybe that there was a seed planted a long time ago, but um the subject of the hallway just got brought up and it was just this mic drop moment where, you know, I was, I'm going to say I was probably 25, 26. I mean, my son was just little and I couldn't believe at the time I had never talked to my brother or my sister about this or my mom, but we all, all three siblings just had this moment. We're like, yeah, the hallway, (laughs) are you kidding me? We didn't, we didn't know about this. My mom turns to my dad and says, well, isn't that where your late wife passed away? And I, I, like, I literally wanted to, I, I, I was so shocked that my entire young life, I was having issues in the house and especially to do with the hallway outside the bathroom door. And it turns out that that's, you know, an area of the house that my dad's late wife had passed away in. So everything just kind of piled up on me. I couldn't believe that. This this has happened, and and I guess I kind of tied all the pieces together. But um, yeah, it was we ended up finding out that my dad's late wife had suffered a, a very traumatic event. I guess from what I understand, and I don't want to butcher this for my dad's sake, um, she had suffered a brain aneurysm, literally leaving the washroom walks directly across to her bedroom, which is my parents' bedroom, and needed help to get into the bed. And um, my dad couldn't wake her up after that. Like, it just happened so fast. Wow. My dad lost his wife. It was in the matter of a minute. I mean, um, and, that, and it was over. So the, these experiences that you had in the house and that other people have had, are, I'm assuming you're tying the, the all together circling around her death. Uh, yeah, and I'd, I, I've never met her, <laughs> obviously. Uh, I was told at, at a certain point in my life that she was a very jealous woman. 
and I don't want to down talk her at all because like I said, um, but um, I mean, the, the events that come after, like there was a lot of things that got told after this that I was never aware of. Um, my mom and I later talked about this, all the things that kind of happened. She was a little upset because I had never come to her as a kid telling her that I had a, these issues. And I mean, they're not, like I was never hurt. I never actually physically seen um, what I would consider a ghost in the house or, or, you know, a manifestation or anything like that. But it was always just this lingering feeling everywhere you go. So you're always on edge. You're always, you can never turn it down. You can never relax. But um, she told me, uh, this is kind of how it came around full circle. She told me that right after she moved in with my father, um, I was just a baby. Um, they had gotten married. And it is, from what I understand, there wasn't a huge gap in time between uh, my dad's late wife's passing and my parents' marriage, um, maybe a year and a half or so. But um, my mom moved in with my dad in the house and I was a, a, a baby. And my mom told me like this. I never asked her about this. She just came forward with this information that she was seeing an entity in the bedroom every single night. And um, basically, she said a lot of times it would start off on my dad's side of the bed and walk around the bottom of the bed. And then it would come up the side of the bed towards her. And she'd wake up almost the same time every night. Usually, from what I understand, it was always around the three o'clock-ish mark. Um, she would wake up and I asked her about this. Like, is it, was it kind of a misty figure? Was it a, did it look like a person? What did it look like? And she just got, she, the, the way she described it was that she had this feeling that it was a woman but it was it wasn't like a full outline of a human it was just something more dense than the, everything around it like you could just see something was there it was moving around the room all the time and this happened for months she said she'd wake my dad up turn the light on you know my my pops would say there's nobody in the house there's nobody in the bedroom you must be dreaming but this happened consecutively over and over and over again and um i guess she finally kind of figured out that it might have been something to do with my dad's late wife because I mean, it was the same bedroom that she had basically passed away in. And, um, she spoke to this manifestation and told it that, uh, she loved my dad and that she was going to take care of him. And, um, she said she never had another issue again with whatever was bothering her in the house. But I mean, we still had problems as kids. My, my sister, told me that on many occasions she's seen a woman in the house um as a teenager i used to have my friends would sleep over all the time and i had one friend that would always wake me up and he said dude there was a woman standing beside your bed like he was sensitive that way like there was always this woman around in the house even though i never seen her but um it's what really kind of got me going but I, that at this point after this was all figured out, I'm listening to your podcast and I'm like, you know what, what the hell I'll, I'll send them an email and see what happens. And then you contacted me back, but ironically something else happened after that moment. Like not, there had been no activity in the house for 30 years. Everything was just fine. I had since moved to an area of my province called the Okanagan. My brother 
had him and his wife had packed up and, and left as well and come out to the same area that we live in. And my parents started thinking, well, well, maybe they might decide to come out this way. Like they'll sell their family home. It's my dad's owned it for 40 years. And uh, this is when it started getting kind of weird. My parents would start emptying out the attic. I mean, there's 40 years worth of stuff in this attic. And at first it was no big deal. It's an, like I said, it's an old rancher style house and my dad would crawl up there and you know hand boxes down to my mom and they would leave the attic open just it's just like a little hatch in the roof and there was no issues at first but my mom kind of nonchalantly had talked to my wife on the phone and said um something's really bothering me in the house i think uh i think it's haunted and I remember calling my mom after my wife had told me this and having this conversation. She was kind of reluctant to talk about it. And I was like, oh, I was, come on, mom. You know, <laughs> this is me you're talking about. Like all these, I listen to all these kind of podcasts. This is right up my alley. But basically, she started saying that she was being followed in the house. And she hadn't had any issues for over 30 years. Um, since she had previously told that whatever she was seeing in the bedroom that, you know, she left my dad and everything was going to be fine. And all of a sudden now what was happening was a little bit more aggressive. Um, from what I understand is she was being poked. Um, her clothes and her hair were being pulled on. She said she was being followed in the house. Like she was never felt like she was alone. She was terrified to take a shower. Um, and at one point she even, told my dad she was going to get a hotel room because she couldn't stay in the house. It was just like this cloud was falling around everywhere. Like she just, it, she was never alone. And uh, I just remember like, I'm not a ghost expert or a haunting expert. I'm just a guy with interests, but um, I kind of just asked her a couple questions. But, you know, is, is, is a dog acting weird? And she said, no, I'm like, are you putting things down and they're not there when you go to get them again? And she's no, I'm like, you know, they're flickering lights. Is there any kind of thing in the house that that's really standing out to you besides the fact that you're just being harassed? And she said, no, like everything in the house is fine, except for the fact that once again, she's being woken up three o'clock ish in the morning. And there's something in the bedroom. She's being poked, she's being pulled, and she's just being generally harassed to the point where it's like something is trying to drive her out of the house. And um, I asked my dad, you know, what side of the bed does mom sleep on? And, you know, ironically, it turns out it's the same side of the bed that his late wife had used to sleep on. Um, and so basically it came down to my mom was threatening to move out, like not leave my dad, but she couldn't stay in the house anymore. We've got to get out of here. This is getting too much. And I, uh, I had asked my mom, I said, you know, I'm personally not a religious guy. Um, so I felt like it was hypocritical of me to suggest this, but just from 
from what I've listened to on your podcast and, and other things, I asked her if she would consider praying in the house. Um, my mom is, is a religious person, but I, had a, I have a brother-in-law who at the time, I, I'd not, I don't know about now, um, was very devout Christian. And I suggested that my mom invite him over to pray in the attic. But before that happened, I had kind of asked him, like, what did, what did you guys do to, to, that started all this? And she said, well, we've just been emptying out the attic. Well, what did you find in the attic? What are you emptying out? And it turns out that they, were, they found a bunch of my dad's late wife's stuff that had been up there for 30 years, for more than 30 years. And um, a lot of it, my mom felt like it had to do with these uh, figurines that my dad's late wife used to collect. Uh, people, I don't know, but now a lot of people collect knickknacks, and I personally don't. But um, she had all these uh, porcelain cats, and they're all wrapped up in newspaper and put into boxes and just put away. But near the very back of the attic, the very kind of last area of the attic that my parents had emptied out, um, they brought these cats down. And it was kind of, um, from what I understand, my dad's late wife's kind of very prized possession, something she cared a lot about. And um, this box was sitting open in the, in the dining room and the attic was still open. And my mother had my brother-in-law come over. He went into the attic and he prayed in the attic. I don't know what he said. I wasn't there because I'm about four and a half hours away from my parents. Um, and then they packed these items up and put them into the garage as far as I know. And I suggested that my parents like speak to whatever is in the house that is bothering them. And, uh, my dad is quite old now. He's 82 years old. So it was kind of hard to convince him, you know, Hey pops, would you mind talking to the spirit of your past uh, or past wife? You know, it was, it was an awkward subject to have yeah. with your dad, especially <laughs> since it's, you know, that was, you know, 34, 35 years ago, maybe a little bit more, but they both, from what I understand, took their time to walk through the house individually and just explain the situation. Like I didn't know what else to do for them. I'm so far away, but, um, and my mom said that they haven't had an issue since. Like it was just like the heaviness had been lifted. And um, after they were able to explain kind of what was going on, it was, it was really interesting for me because there had been nothing for so long until they interrupted these old boxes that were full of my dad's late wife stuff. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, I don't even know how to refer to it, but it almost sounds like her spirit was dormant because it was like there was an agreement almost where your mom said, I love him, I'm going to take care of him. And it was at that point, okay. And then, <laughs> and then it's a whole other story when you're saying you're going to take my stuff and you're moving him away <laughs> and you're leaving. It's uh, uh, the word dormant is actually perfect. I never even thought about it that way. You know, it was, it, it's exactly how it was. Like, it, like, like I said earlier, even till this day, my, my sister's 40. She will not go in the house alone. My parents go, um, they have a vacation trailer. They'll go for a week or two weeks at a time. They just ask her to come over and check the mail. She won't go in the house, not alone. Sometimes she'll send her kids in just to check, <laughs> to check, but she won't go in there by herself. 
Yeah. Well, has your sister ever seen anything in the house and make sure that's scared or was it just the feeling that you had it too? Um, I actually spoke to her yesterday because I wanted to just get permission to kind of tell the story on behalf of other people. And um, she said she had seen a woman in the house many times. And um, she, we at one point had a foster sister uh, who, who my sister said seen similar things. I mean, I haven't spoken to her in, in over 20 years. So, uh, but she said she was, I assume that she was quite happy to have left. You know, my sister and I seem to have been more afflicted. My brother was able to kind of deal with it differently. I don't, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but um, yeah, it was, it's just interesting that you use the word dormant because it just, it, nothing happened, nothing significant happened for so many years. We're talking decades. And then they interrupt or they, they disturb this stuff and they're talking about moving. They actually just bought a house, so they will be moving. But um, my mom said that when she talked to the house, my, you know, wh- whoever she spoke to, she explained that they, they were not going to throw those items away, that they would be given to um, members of uh, my dad's late wife's family. So I hope that's what happens. I and mean, I don't know to this day, I don't know where those boxes are, but I'm sure they're not anywhere near the house. <laughs> do you think that it's going to be uncomfortable for your dad to do that, to go see her family after all these years? Um, he is, he's in contact with, uh, he has a granddaughter um, and, uh, and a daughter. Uh, they don't speak very often. I mean, it's a sensitive topic, but um, he, he wanted to give those items to his granddaughter. He actually has a, um, two great granddaughters as well. So as far as I know, that's where he wants those items to go. So at least they're with somebody um, that I, I don't, you know, maybe can look after them. But yeah, I think it, it will be a tough subject to bring up. It's not going to be comfortable for him, especially at his yeah. age. Man. Yeah. Well, <sighs> Man, paranormal making you do uncomfortable things. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I never really, I was, I guess, fortunate because some of the episodes, that's why I was kind of apprehensive about writing because some of the episodes I listen to are, are quite terrifying. And this is, isn't as terrifying of an experience. You know, everybody's, I want to assume that most people see things as kids, but, uh, but it was it, this for me was always just an ever present feeling that was always in the house that just you know always had a there was always a part of my life that had that you know at the moment at those years of my life before I moved out it was always there. Um, and as kids, I mean, my I was talking to my brother yesterday. I was asking, "Do you ever see anything in the house? You ever?" He he talked about the hallway. He couldn't explain the hallway to me. He 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 kind of chopped it up as being we were just kids you don't want to look in in a dark empty room as you pass by you know an open door but um but he says he, it was interesting he told me that uh, we used to, we had two separate bedrooms across the hall from each other but he said he would wake up all the time and i'd be sitting in the chair next to him and he'd get pissed off you know like what are you what are you doing he'd get out of here he'd throw throw his pillow at me and it would go right through me 
And I just found this out yesterday. That's like, weird. It was, uh, it was really weird. Like I, he'd never told me this before, but, um, and then he said he'd get up cause he was scared and he'd come into my room and I'd be sleeping. That's, <laughs> that's freaky. And, and now it's like, okay, well, why are you appearing to your brother like that? You know, I mean, up to this point, it's just been a female entity and now we have this. Yeah. I, I just found this out yesterday. I had no idea. But um, apparently that he's like, that's why I used to uh, crawl into bed with you all the time too. I was too I was scared. But uh, I mean, we used to have bunk beds in the, in our room when we shared a room when my sister was still living in the house and uh, I'm the older sibling. So naturally I got the top bunk, but there were a lot of nights that I would hear things on the floor, like something in the room, but I was too scared to look down over the edge. I, yeah, that could be just chopped up as to being a kid and it's a dark room. But my brother was down there on the bottom bunk. And I was too damn afraid to, to peek my head over to see what the hell was in the room, you know, right beside him, I guess it would be. I always kind of referred to it as the boogeyman in our room. But uh, yeah, even till this day, uh, all that kind of stuff have been like I mentioned, I was never hurt. Or, no, nothing traumatic really ever happened. So. It's an interesting story, but till this day, I mean, it's left me really open to these topics. Like I really pay attention to how my, I have three kids. I pay attention to how they act in the house. Like if, if they're scared, why, you know, I ask them why they came and crawled into my bed or things like that. If something bothers you, it makes me, I'm super hypersensitive and hyper aware of what is going on in whatever house we live in because of that till this day. Well, man, I appreciate you sharing on the show. I, I, Sounds like a, a haunted house that I wouldn't want to live in, that's for sure. <laughs> that, you know what? My parents did the best they could. It was We had a good life. We had a good upbringing. Like, I honestly can't complain. It's just I thought it was a story that was worth sharing because there were so many unanswered questions until I, be, until I was an adult. And then so many pieces of puzzle started to kind of fall into place. Like, I don't want to blame anybody, but I just thought, it was too much of a coincidence at the end to find out um, that my siblings were having the same issue that my mom was having issues. Basically everybody, but my dad, as far as I know that ever lived in the house was, was being tormented at one point or another. Yeah. And that, that kind of throws a clue right there. Doesn't it? I mean, the fact that your dad is the only one that never really had an experience and it was his wife. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's always reluctant to talk about it. I mean, he's a hell of a good guy. He he was a he he he's a yeah, he's just a hell of a good guy. He had a hard life, you know, especially as a kid. He grew up in Berlin during the Second World War. And he's seen some shit. Excuse my language. He's seen some stuff. But uh, so when it comes to something maybe as as simple as somebody seeing a ghost in the house, he, he just brushes it aside. Yeah, well, I guess I would too. I mean, uh, if I if I if I grew up where your dad grew up, man, uh, yeah, a ghost is the least of my worries. Yeah, exactly. But he's made the best of it. You know, he's raised a family, and uh, like I said, he's a hell of a good guy. All right, this episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. 
America's number one meal kit. I've been talking about HelloFresh for quite some time now. I absolutely love them. The food that HelloFresh comes to my door with is absolutely amazing. Listen, how I judge whether something's going to taste great or not is if I'm in my studio and it's being cooked up and I can smell it in my studio, I know it's going to be jam-packed with flavor. And every time my wife is making a HelloFresh meal, I can smell it in the studio probably about 15 minutes before it's even ready. It smells amazing. It tastes great. I promise you. And right now with kids going back to school, I imagine families are pretty busy in the evenings getting the kids homework together, studies, all that stuff. Take the meal prep business away from you and give it to HelloFresh. Let them plan your meals and let them help you pick out the perfect ingredients and the right portion sizes for you and your family. HelloFresh is a company that prides itself on convenience with their app that they have available to you. So you can customize your orders from the app. You can change your order last minute and it all gets delivered right to your doorstep. You don't got to go to a grocery store. You don't got to wait in lines. It all comes right to you fresh and ready to rock in the kitchen. Now go to HelloFresh.com slash confessionals14 and use the code confessionals14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That is a deal that they've been offering for quite some time. If you haven't taken advantage of it now, I swear you definitely have to. 14 free meals. They're feeding you for two weeks. Great deals at HelloFresh with great food, jam-packed with flavor. Go ahead and check it out now. Cora, how are you? Getting yourself? I'm doing fine. So uh, you're out there on the West Coast and uh, you have freaking snow. How does that work? I thought California was supposed to be nice and sunny all the time. I know it's frustrating. We just had really awesome, amazing weather. It was like spring weather and then now it's just snowing again. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it never ends. Yep. not too long ago, Texas got the snowstorm. You guys, I'm thinking to myself, something's happening. Something's happening. The world's about to end. There's no. Must be. I mean, soon, soon it's going to be snowing in Hawaii. So, <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. I, I know, right? So, uh, you have these paranormal experiences that happen throughout your life, and it starts when you're a young kid and it goes into, you know, more of adulthood and stuff, but it's kind of like a, a progression of different things that happen. So, we're just going to start off from when you were the youngest here. I mean, you were young, young. I think you said it first started when you were a baby. And uh, yeah. this character that somebody named, I'd like to know who named him this, but uh, the name Mr. Burns, and uh, he, he comes into the scene. So, take it away and share with us what happened there. So, Mr. Burns is actually no one. He, that was his name. Like he actually had died in the house that I um, kind of grew up in when I was a kid. When this all started happening, um, I don't, he wasn't like it was just an old guy died in the house. He was kind of just a jerk, like a really big jerk, and um, would always just terrorize me when I was a baby to the point where my father would actually just get so angry and stand in my room and just scream, scream at him to stop. Um, most of everything that I know about Mr. Burns um, actually comes from my father and my mom. My dad would be making coffee and then like, he would be like <sighs> over his shoulder and he wore this terrible cologne, I guess that was extremely smelling that would always just go around the house. Um, and this, this was, I don't know, it went on for about four, four years. And I actually saw him, um, jumping up a few years. Uh, it was the creepiest thing. <laughs> I 
I saw him. He was he walked by me, kind of floated, I guess, and he was wearing like a cowboy hat or a top hat, and like had a nice shirt on and stuff. It was just like super creepy, smiling, like really big creepy smile, and just floated by, just staring at me, and it was. <laughs> Oh man, it was so creepy. It was terrible. Um, and coming back from that though, eventually, um, my mom's brother, my uncle had a friend that had a spirit friend or whatever you want to call it. And this person brought his spirit friend into our house and supposedly had taken Mr. Burns out of the house. Like, his spirit friend sat for a little bit, grabbed Mr. Burns, and somehow Mr. Burns was just gone. It was it was, it was weird. <laughs> and so you were four years old when he was pretty much done. Uh, four or five, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and then we actually had moved out of the house <laughs> after that. Did you move out because you guys were done with the whole situation, or was it just you know happenstance that it happened around the same time? Uh, happenstance. You know, my little sister, my little brother came in the picture and. My parents decided to buy a house in a little farm in town, and that's where we left. Okay. So I find it interesting that uh, Mr. Burns isn't somebody that pops on the scene and only the kids sees it, but your dad saw it too. Was it something that like everybody would see Mr. Burns around? Um, Actually, yeah. Yeah. There was like my dad would be sitting on the porch with his friends, and he'd be like, Who's, who's the man in your house? <laughs> it's like, Oh, no, it's just Mr. Burns. Just ignore it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and so was your dad, did he feel like Mr. Burns was threatening to you and that's why he was getting angry? Or was it more of just like, I'm sick and tired of this guy hanging around here and is, you know, bothering my kid? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of him scaring her. Like, I'm over it. Got mad, yelled at him and yep, that was a thing. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, and I, you probably said this, but I don't remember. Uh, was he a former owner of the house? Like he had died there? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure how that whole situation worked out and stuff, but I was very curious as to how the name Mr. Burns came into play, but I never really considered that it was actually the person's name. <laughs> like I was, I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking, oh, there must, be, there must be some kind of story where this entity tried lighting the house on fire or something. <laughs> No, nope, no, nope. his last name was just Burns. I don't know you. his first name, so we just always called him Mr. Burns. Okay. So you guys move away, you move into a new area, and your parents uh, started what I guess you guys called card night, where you know friends would come over and they would play cards, and uh, some activities started happening there too, huh? Yes. No, it was, it was absolutely weird. One of the creepiest moments of my life. And I was about nine years old when this happened. All of us, I mean, my friends, my dad's friends would come over. They play cards, 31 with quarters and kind of like a little fun gambling night between friends. And all of us kids would kind of just be hanging out in the living room or whatever. Well, I was really tired, so I decided to go in bed. And um, I kind of just, I looked over and I thought my little sister was putting her shoes on because there was just like this little girl hanging out, putting her shoes on. And uh, so I said my sister's name was Higgin what are you doing? Well, it wasn't Danielle. She looked at me and was like, looking at me like I'm crazy because I just called her the wrong name or something. And I realized it wasn't Danielle and I realized that it wasn't an actual person. So, you know, typical scared, throw the blankets over your head. That's going to protect me situation. 
And then when I came back out, she was gone. Did anybody else see her ever? No, no, that was just me. And there's actually um, a story behind it. This um, little girl actually had, her parents had lived in the house before us, apparently. Um, my grandma actually ended up doing all this research on it. And she was walking across the road, but ended up getting hit by a log truck, this little girl. And her name was Delaney. And her shoes ended up kind of where my room was. So, and I guess that would make a lot of sense of why I uh, saw her putting her shoes on. Um, So I went actually to one of the oldest two cemeteries in that town. Um, I went to one of them and sure as rain, there's her little gravestone. That's, that's creepy. That's creepy. How how old were you when this happened? Like nine, nine years old, 10 years old. I mean, shoot, man. Like I... I, I I would imagine chills would just shoot up my spine when I see the the actual grave plot. I'm like, ah, she's really actually dead. Holy crap! Yeah, it was it was definitely it was definitely something. Yeah, it kind of yeah. it kind of puts everything into a different perspective for reality. I mean, I imagine going over to the the graveyard, you're you're thinking, okay, we're gonna find this, that, and the other. But once you actually lay lay eyes on it, I'm thinking, man, it just kind of puts it all in reality for you. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. It definitely showed me that there's more than our reality. Most definitely, that's. I mean, you know, Mr. Burns and such, and you know, growing up in that house. And it was kind of already, you know, I already knew, but seeing that was definitely a game changer for me. Like why I don't understand why she decided to just show herself to me, but glad she finally found her shoes. Uh, yeah, it makes you wonder how that all works and stuff. I mean, people talk about, you know, the idea of like, uh, um, uh, now, now I'm dropping, you know, my brain here and I can't remember the term for it, but like uh, time loops, you know, uh, mm-hmm. residual energy, you know, and, and when you think about that stuff, it makes you wonder if uh, what you experience there only happens at a certain time during the year or something like that where you're able to see it. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And uh, um, man. Yeah, I I just rather not see a little ghost girl in my room at night. <laughs> I don't want to either. <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. So uh, as you're getting older and stuff, your mom kind of shifts course. I mean, it sounded like she shifted courses. You said that she started uh, playing with witchcraft. Is that something that she kind of always dabbled in and just got more serious about it, or was it there was there something that happened that spawned her to get involved in it? I think that at that point when she did start, you know, playing with it, getting all these books on it and all kinds of stuff, I think it was just kind of a phase that she had went through. But, you know, that stuff is, you know, you can't, you can't play with that stuff, like, at all. You just, you can't, unless you know what you're doing. And even then, it's still, I wouldn't. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, uh, how old was she when she started that? Oh, shoot. She was in her 20s. I suppose maybe almost 30. Okay. So she was, she was relatively young still. I mean, uh, she wasn't, you know, 45, 50 and trying to find a new path in life. (laughs) No, no, it wasn't a midlife crisis. (laughs) (laughs) I gotcha. I gotcha. So when that started happening though, when she started messing around with that stuff, you had some uh, things happen in the house again, right? Mm hmm. Yep. A lot of, a lot of weird stuff. Um, like I, I, mentioned uh the ex 
the X is I just kind of nicknamed it the X. It was like this weird little, it was like a dog, but without like ears and you know, it was, it was the weirdest looking little thing, but there was a giant red X on its back. And this thing would terrorize me all the time. It would jump up on my bed. It would like stare at me like with human eyeballs it had and just weird things. This thing was always bothering me like all the time. Hold on a second. You said it was like a blob with a face? Kind of, yeah, but it had like a, it was like a little terrier dog. I guess that's just for size comparison, but, and it had a red X on its back. It looked like a red X. So that's why I kind of just called it the X. Interesting. Interesting. So it has like a red X on its back, but there's, there, was there no real kind of definitive form to its body? Uh, I just, I keep, I always just compare it in my head, especially just to a dog. Like it was this small dog, but it had no ears and no tail and just had creepy human eyes. Interesting. I wonder what that could be. I mean, it sounds like the way you're describing it, it sounds like it probably, it wasn't exactly a dog, but kind of similar. So you, you really just have no idea what that was about. Yes, I really, I really don't. And it, it happened for like three, four years. Like I still, sometimes I still even just dream about it because it was such a prominent thing in my life. It was insane. How old were you when that was happening? 10, 11. Yep. Were you still, uh, were you still rooming with your sister? Yeah. Yep. Did she ever have an experience or see it or anything? Uh, you know, we've talked about it and she definitely remembers it. I don't know if she ever actually saw it. I can't, you know, I mean, it's been a while since we've talked about the ex because, you know, we're all grown up now, but I'm actually, you know, I'm going to have to ask her about that and see, because I'd actually be pretty interested to hear her opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, you guys bunking together and stuff. She missed out on the on the uh, ghost girl. I mean, it'd be a shame if for four years she missed out on the blob with an X on it. <laughs> she had. Uh, she knew it was there, and I always freaked out about it. So, I mean, she's she's had some interesting situations with me <laughs> with dreams and stuff that she woke up to, and yeah. So, I mean, she didn't miss out on a whole lot. She had a crazy sleeper sisters <laughs> that was tormented by the ex. So, I mean, one, do you think that there's something maybe, I don't know, about you that you were having these experiences and she really wasn't and she was more of a byproduct of, you know, seeing you go through the experiences? Uh, well, go ahead and answer that first. Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've seen, growing up, I always like had weird things happen to me and she has too, but she was more on the side of ignoring it rather than like, um, you know, acknowledging it. Whereas, you know, I would, I would just, it would freak me out or it would like trip me out. So I would always pay attention to it instead of, you know, ignoring it. What do you think the chances are of the blob experiences, uh, being more along the lines of like, uh, dreams, do you think that you were fully awake during these experiences? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely was. And it, it didn't just happen at night either. It was, this thing was just constantly there. It was tormenting. It just freaked me out and like would jump on my bed and stuff at night. I got you. So it was very real to you. It wasn't like you were all of a sudden, uh, jolted by this thing. And you know, it, it was like, um, 
the trend the, the quick transition of from sleeping realm to awake it was more of uh very consistently while you're awake yeah yep i got you uh i don't know what to make of that never heard of uh, a blob dog with an x in the back but <laughs> <laughs> it was the weirdest thing i don't i don't know why i don't that's his name and that's what it looked like so later in life you wind up dating a guy that uh i guess i guess i don't know if he told you he was a satanist or by just his actions and what you experienced you kind of figured it out uh but before you get into those experiences that you had with him do you think that your mom being into witchcraft had anything to do with you being attracted to this guy being a satanist mm, i i don't think so no i actually i wasn't really I didn't know, like, at the time that we started seeing each other, that he he was. Like, he, he kind of withheld that information for a while. Shame on him. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> so, uh, tell me about these experiences, then. Okay, well, just to, you know, just to start off, he, um, he worships, or, you know, I mean, he's Satanist, of course, but, like, none of his main people that he, like, I don't know praise to Santa Muerte. I guess she's like the Saint Death. I guess that's what it translates into. Um so he does just a lot of weird, creepy things and like he would do blood sacrifices and like burn his blood and do weird things and it, he would always like pentagram, like he would put salt like on our doors and like around the windows and stuff and he was always a very angry and um he's always like freaked out about everything like everything because every time that he would do some creepy little ritual like burning his blood or doing blood sacrifices or you know whatever he had going on like he would bring sticks and all kinds of weird stuff and do weird like chants and pray down and just horrible kind of stuff actually it was quite disturbing I was try I tried not to be around for a lot of it but I had, you know, every time he would do it, there would always be something like he would invite something into the house. And then like, instead of like people put salt around doors and windows and stuff to keep things out, it would, he would do it to like, after it came in to keep it in, like he liked that it's presence being there. And it was always so terrible. I've literally just witnessed like mirrors breaking out of nowhere can't even tell you how many times I replaced mirrors. I thought he was punching him until I saw it for myself. Um, and he would always just like, every time after, he would always just kind of stare off in the space, especially if he was in front of a mirror. It was like he was looking at something and they were like communicating in some weird way. I've had things thrown at me. Um, I've seen some really terrible, like dark, really tall figures, like seven feet tall things. I had a lot of, the time they were walking around the outside of the house um weird weird things like that it's, it was never it was never quiet while he was around and he had ended up actually um being pretty abusive so after he left there were still weird things in the house that um i ended up leaving that house too so <laughs> don't have to deal with that stuff anymore do you think that the uh, tall, cre- uh, you know, figures that you saw walking around outside the house weren't coming in because he had the salt on the doors? Uh, maybe. I mean, I guess if if 
you know, and, and that kind of stuff, I suppose that's how it kind of works. But, um, like I said, he would always do it to keep things in, but the outside things was just weird. Like he, I don't know. It was like, he could just like tell them what he wanted them to do and they would just do it. Like, and they weren't, they weren't human. Like I did not feel that at all. It was always the weirdest, coldest, like foggy feeling when they were around and it never eased up. What was he, if you know, I don't know if you know this, but was he practicing, you know, solo or was he part of a coven? Oh, he was, it was solo. I mean, he, I mean, his family, he's actually from Guatemala. <laughs> so his, you know, a lot of his family is still in Guatemala and they do a lot of that stuff still. Like they, that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty big, um, religion or, um, practice that they tend to lean on to. Yeah, I, and and that makes sense because I was reading about it as you mentioned it here. And I, I, how do you pronounce it? Santa Murta? Is that how you pronounce it? Santa Morte. 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 Uh, I'm I'm Spanish, and I don't even know how to speak Spanish. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it it says here uh, just on the Wikipedia stuff. Uh, often short. Uh, let's see here. It's a it's a cult image, female deity, and folk saint in Mexican neo paganism and fo- uh, folk Catholicism. Um, so yeah, I, I guess uh, it. Where did I see it here? I saw it somewhere in here. She's associated with healing, protection, and safe delivery to the afterlife by her devotees. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I guess um, when he's doing his things, maybe maybe what you're seeing on the outside of the the house are things in that tra- things or spirits or souls or something transitioning. But you said that they interacted with him too, where they actually listened to him. So that's that's very interesting. Yeah, no, it was the creepiest thing. Like he, I mean, this it was, it was just not like you know everything that you just said about her. I mean, that's the thing. But he was also he was, which is kind of contradicting what you think about it because he was you know Satanist, right? And like you know their rules or whatever to live by, like destroy anybody who entered your home without permission or kind of crazy stuff like that. That's why he said he liked it. But I think that he was more into the evil part about it. Like he wasn't, he wasn't bringing like souls. Like he would, these were not human souls. These were something else. Yeah. It's interesting. And I mean, if he was practicing solo, to me, it would make sense when that somebody who's kind of doing it on their own might pull from different aspects of different religions to kind of make it a, 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 you know, like a casserole of, (laughs) of, uh, (laughs) of uh religions or or whatever um now you said that you saw the mirrors breaking uh what was that experience like i mean what was going on that that you actually saw the mirror mirror uh crack or shatter or whatever i mean did you actually see an entity in the mirror as that he was talking to or what was going on um i didn't see when he was just kind of staring into the mirror and staring off after he did his weird spell stuff it was it was kind of just like I, I he he was definitely looking at something I couldn't see it, but it was like he would just like stare at it and the just mirror would just break like he kind of like it was almost like like a movie like he was telepathically breaking the mirror but he was it was something that he was communicating with and it was just like it just broke it was the weirdest scare it scared me I left I was like shaking I was all freaked out my heart was racing I got all like cold. <laughs> just, my whole face went cold. 
it was it was terrifying. Yeah, and he was just like it was like a normal thing. Like I don't understand why, but he it was normal to him. Well, I mean, imagine if you do something enough, uh, it becomes very uh, secondary to you. Um, I, I, and whenever I, I whenever I hear stuff like that, it just I, I always try to think of a time in my life where you know a scary situation became normalized. And uh, when I I used to in my early twenties, I used to be one of those guys that wrote parking tickets and booted cars and towed cars away <laughs> in the city and all that stuff. And uh, the the city I was doing it in is. is really known for a lot of violence. And uh, very early on, it became very apparent to me that doing this job was definitely a dangerous job and I needed to be alert. And so every day driving to work into the city, I would, would pray for protection because I, I was very nervous to do my job. And then as time went on, uh, I became numb to the environment I work in and it no longer scared me. And it actually, at some at some point, it almost became like a like a mental game, like understanding how the psycholo- the psychological aspect of these the people who are, are coming at me every day, uh, it, it it became different, very different. And I was no longer scared, but more intrigued as I was going to work. And uh, so when I think about people like him, I imagine if you do it enough, it doesn't necessarily become a scary thing like it maybe once was, but more of a an intrigue factor because it's like uh, when you... When you push yourself to the limit of something and you realize you you were able to come back from that uh, unscathed, the next time you do it, you want to go a little bit further and you just keep going and going and going until you realize that the, the starting point you were at, you know, two, three years ago, the terrifying point you were at, you're so far beyond that, that that doesn't even phase you. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that, I think that's definitely where he was at because these evil things being around seeing these crazy things like terrified me and he was just like it was like a normal day just you know don't don't worry about it pay don't pay any attention to it i'll be fine like okay <laughs> sure i'll try yeah so you mentioned about seeing things fly off shelves and stuff during these experiences with the mirrors breaking things flying off shelves did you ever feel like these experiences that you were personally having uh, were directed towards you and maybe a, to scare you or to harm you? Or do you think that you were just a byproduct witnessing things because of what he was doing? There was definitely a few times where I felt as though it was like a blatant attack on me. Like something didn't want me there. Something didn't want me around. Like, and, and it, it would be pretty, pretty easily like it, things were coming at me. Like I got hit with remotes <laughs> and candles, like the little tea light candles, little white ones. I have like a cute little wall hanger and it had like the tea light candles in it. And those would just come out of nowhere, just heading out. I got to be in the kitchen and they're coming from the living room. And it, there was a few times where I definitely thought or felt like, especially when me and him argued or, you know, we, we were mad at each other. There was definitely times where it seemed as though it was a blatant attack on me. Most definitely. So kind of like, how dare you yell at my boy? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Yeah, I guess, you know, that makes sense. (laughs) Putting it that way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you think yeah. about it, like if, if there are entities hanging around because of him, whether he summoned them or whatever, there's an attachment. Uh, maybe there's a, a possessive, not maybe not necessarily possession, which certainly probably could have been in the equation, but more of a possessive attitude when it comes to these things where they want him for, for themselves and you kind of get in the way 
of his emotions for them, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's probably extremely accurate, actually. So I didn't ask you this earlier about your mom. Uh, you just kind of briefly touched on her activity. Did she pursue that for a long time? Is she still pursuing it? Or is it something that was just a phase that was in and out pretty quickly? Um, I'm, she maybe did it for about, I want to say maybe a year. Um, but I, you know, I also tried not to pay attention to too much and she didn't really want us to know that she did. I just kind of hard to like, you know, hide that stuff. And I was old enough to kind of catch on to weird things happening. Um, you know, different hobbies and such, but she doesn't anymore. It doesn't seem as though like, she's not even like a little bit of this person at all. So she's, um, yeah, she's just kind of, no, she, no, she hasn't. As far as I know, she doesn't still pursue it. Okay. And uh, the experience you had with the blobby, doggy, Mr. X thing, whatever it is, <laughs> <laughs> do you think that was spawned on from your mom's activity? Or do you think that was yes. too... Se- okay, so you do. Yes. Do you think that that was a... How do you define that? I mean, do you find define that as that there was a spiritual entity, a dog spiritual entity, a demonic entity? What do you think that was? Well, it definitely wasn't... It wasn't a dog. I think that it was, it was, it was a dark little evil thing is what it was. I don't know why it chose that shape or form or creepy self, but it was definitely not. It was, it was definitely evil. Like it wasn't, there was nothing about it that wasn't dark. Yeah. It makes me wonder uh, about the whole X thing because I'm pretty sure there's some kind of, um, symbolism there that I'm not thinking of when it comes to uh, an X and what you experience. I mean, imagine some people probably are listening and they're thinking, I know exactly what that X means, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I Honestly, this thing just scared me all the time. And it was always there. It got to the point where I guess, yeah, at that point too, I was used to seeing it. And the terrifying part was over like we just talked about. But it just, I, I never actually really looked into it too much. There was one time where I did. Um, and I think that what, if I remember right, what came up was mostly, um, it was like, um, took the form of one of my biggest fears. And it definitely wasn't like a, it was, it was a dark, evil situation. And, uh, I don't, I don't know why it would have the red X on it, but I think that did have some of I just, I don't remember. It was a while back where I even, I even thought about this thing, honestly. Yeah, I can understand. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Cora, I appreciate you coming on and sharing these experiences. It's been interesting. And the uh, the boyfriend you had and stuff, how long were you in a relationship with him? Uh, a little over a year. Did it end because of this stuff? Or was it just like, you know, you realized that he was a douche? Uh, he actually, he got, um, I, I had a son with him. And while I was pregnant, he got violent with me and abusive. So I kicked him out. He was a douche. <laughs> I gotcha. I know, I know you yeah. mentioned he was getting violent with you and stuff, but do you think that was because of what he was dabbling in or do you think he was just a violent person in general? I think it was because of what he was dabbling in. He didn't, I don't think he was, he, it would only be like that or get like really angry or any, any kind of weird mood that he'd be in would be after he'd done some weird thing. Like, 
Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help the show grow. My dad is still here. Dad, how you doing? Still doing okay. Still doing okay yeah. after like, what, 10 Great minutes show. ago when I asked yep. you that question when yes, we recorded the intro? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So listen, I just want to remind people to go ahead and check out Hammer Lane Legends. It's a podcast you and I have been doing for, what, a year and a half now? Yep, just about. Like, tomorrow is going to be episode 75. We've done it 75 weeks straight, 75 episodes. It's you and I hanging out, talking to other drivers. We've talked to people from the military, you know, truck drivers, people driving Uber, city buses, even landscapers. We talked to a lot of people, but we try to focus on the transportation industry and uh, having people coming on that drive for a living to share their crazy experiences and just talk about life. It's just a fun conversational show. It is. It is a fun conversational show. Yeah. So it's Hammer Lane Legends. You can check us out on the website, hammerlanelegends.com or any podcast playing app. And we even have a YouTube channel. And what Jack's going to be doing is I gave him my old GoPro uh-huh. and he's going to mount that to his truck during the day. He, he Jack owns a, a pest control company, right. Greenway Pest Control, right? Or is yes. it? Greenway Natural Pest Control. That's just Greenway Pest Control. Greenway Pest Control. All your pest control needs. <laughs> and uh, trying to give them a plug, you know. At help, least in the greater Allentown area. Yeah. Help the young <laughs> blood out, you know. But what he's going to do is he's going to mount the GoPro to his pickup truck and he's going to film the road while he's driving. And then yeah. he's going to take that footage and put it on YouTube and overlay the, our show audio yeah. to that video so that it's kind of cool content where it's just like he's he's posting video of him driving around and you'll be able to listen to the hammer lane legends that way on youtube so we're trying some things with the youtube channel but listen uh if all else fails check out the website hammerlanelegends.com or on any podcast playing app we are there spotify iHeartRadio, apple uh podbean you name it we're there stitcher so uh, we would greatly appreciate if you checked it out right yes we would most yeah. definitely so until next week friends Stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Awakened from the forest in the depths of the abyss, this creature is a paradigm of time lost and time itself. It fears no one. It adheres to no rule that man can create. It forges its own path, and yet its path remains hidden from the world. The sphere of his existence is beyond most comprehension as it exudes its power quietly but transcendent. It needs no one's approval to exist, but yet its very existence is sought after by many. It watches. It learns. Adapts to the ever-changing environment around it, even as the environment is wrought with corruption. It battles the corruption only when pressed or for the protection of others like it. It is a mirage that few will ever understand. It's a cornucopia of knowledge from an era long past. It's free. It's Bigfoot. My fantasies always consisted of making it big. My soul was nothing more than a bargaining chip. Marketing is what they tell you to do and what you're willing to give. LARPing to the fullest extent. I don't wait, I shoot first like Han on a rodeo. And these people don't understand me like reading a Nokian. Stretch thin, 
Like pulling an accordion, my heart ain't primordium. All these historians telling us lies, setting aside everything is medicalized. Politicians selling the ride, I better my die. Where the relevance lies, they dressing alike, reptilians. My resilience is brilliant. I'm here to lead the rebellion on hellion, salient alien with no melanin. I'm a yeti hiding from 